So you're using WordPress and you have your business online. The next question is, now what? With so much to do and so little time, it's hard to figure out where you should put your energy. WordPress might be the foundation for your website, but it's what you do with your business that counts. In this podcast, we'll talk about building and running an online business, but you have to be willing to do the work and just show up. My name is Kim Doyle, aka the WordPress Chick, and this is the WordPress Chick Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Holy moly, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics today, literally like favorite of all time, guys. So my guest today is Kyle Gray of Conversion Cake. Kyle, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on, Kim. And I will mention, because we're going to be talking about it, you have also recently authored a book called The Story Engine. And I'm at, we're going to get into all of that, but it's all about content, which is just my happy place. And so you're, you're, you're serving many purposes today, education, and I just feel like I'm getting all this validation. So thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people, you, you definitely deserve the validation for everything you've built up. And, and anybody who's practicing content marketing, you know, you've got to be really patient, especially up front, um, to really get the things to pay off in the way you want. But uh, what I love about it is, uh, is though it's a great tool to build your business, there's lots of like hidden, hidden value um, that you can create through just the process of creating content and collaborating. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm still going through the book, by the way, which we're gonna again, like I said, we'll talk about how you I love how you broke it into different parts and stuff. But um, let's I always like to start with a little bit of the journey. And I'd love to hear, you know, prior to launching conversion cake and writing your book, what what brought you here? What's your background? Yeah, so I got into content marketing while working with Dan Norris from WP Curve. And um, I started with an apprenticeship with him, just helping him um, transition out of working on the blog on his own all day long and uh, and starting to, because it was just a huge time suck on, on his business and uh, everything he was doing. So I joined in and, and tried to take over this, uh, this blog that he had built up over the course of seven or so years and had this amazing audience and this amazing community um, built up around it. And then um, the big challenge was, how can I um, keep keep the quality and the personality that he works so hard to craft while um, minimizing how much time he needed to work with me, give me feedback or or anything, any, you know, minimize his involvement altogether in the blog with anything uh, so he could focus on other areas of his business and other businesses? Yeah, you know, I actually just had Dan on the show a second time Um Last week or the week before, we we caught up, and he's kind of a prolific creator, so it's nice to know that he had some help at a certain point, <laughs> because you, you look at everything Dan does, and you're like, do you sleep? It's absolutely, and that was that was a huge, huge challenge for me up front, really. Like, he, you know, I, right before I started working for him, he was like, he had a day where he wrote 13 blog posts in a day and didn't really bat an eye. And I definitely am not that kind of guy, or at least not yet. Give me a few more years, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get there, but, but I'm definitely human like the, like the rest of us. Not that Dan Norris isn't human, but he's prolific. He's a genius. And so the big challenge was figuring out how can I, how can I capture his genius in a way 
um, that I can repeat over and over and over again. And again, he, he just kind of created, you know, without, without effort and without much thought, he knew what he wanted, but, um, but yeah, he could just, he could just put it onto paper for me. It took a little bit more work and a little bit more thought. I think for most people it is. And, you know, he having, (laughs) I mean, they published four books in like the last four years or something. And with the amount of content and just activity that he does entrepreneurially, it's, is that a word? Entrepreneurially? I don't know. Um, I'll count it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's one of those things that he seems to constantly pe- be producing. And so I love, like, I'm not, I can't do it that <laughs> quickly either. But so when you connected with Dan, I mean, cause you know, in terms of that's a pretty good gig, right? WP curve, as as far as I understand it, when I had talked to Dan the first time, you know, that business grew solely through content marketing, right? I mean, maybe less than $200 on paid traffic ever. So, you know, can you share some of your experience in, in helping grow that? Yeah. So one of the big things that I was a part of was really, really getting the volume of content we published up on WP curve. And again, um, it all had to be published at kind of the quality standards Dan was expecting. Um, but I couldn't do it all myself, so I needed to bring in teams of guest writers to do it. So what that meant was we had to uh, we had to figure out how to make it so that I could send a guest or get a guest article published without needing Dan's feedback and input to make sure that it was up to his quality standards. So at first it was kind of challenging. There was a lot of back and forth and this was slowing things down where I had to take a guest article and then kind of, you know, give it feedback, edit it myself. And then once I thought it was good enough, we'd send it to Dan and Dan would would either approve it or have his own input. And then it would bounce back to me, bounce back to the guest writer, and then it would be this kind of back and forth, which really slowed down the process a lot. So my solution for that was to every time I got feedback from Dan, whether it was on the headers, whether it was on an image, whether it was, you know, whatever it was, is I would put that down into a document and try to organize it so that it was relevant and easy to access. And over time, this really developed into a nice uh, style guide that helped um, make our expectations and our writing process very, very clear to the writers. It got to the point where it was like, First, uh, the first steps will be ideation. You have two business days to figure out um, what a good idea for a topic could be, or here's some ba- here's some really good topics we're looking for, and then send us an outline and a couple of key points you'll be working with. If we thought it was a good idea, then we would then we would have the next step, which again you would say you've got five business days to complete the first draft. The first draft, our headers look like this. They're in sentence case, not title case, which means just the first letter of the headers capitalized, not the first letter of every single word. Um, And just creating little details like that or saying all of our images are full width images. The width of our reading column is 800 pixels. So you need to create an image that's 800 pixels. And then giving them these kind of very almost seemingly annoyingly detailed um, sets of instructions that they could work with 
But um, at the end of the time, or at the end of each time we worked with a rider, um, the riders started complimenting and, and getting really excited about this because they were just like, finally, because most of the time when we work with a, when we work with a guest rider, you say like, well, write me an article about philosophy. And they just kind of don't really have any, anything to go off of. And they either have to kind of read a bunch of your content and try to really think, how can I make this work for you? So, um, by giving them this style guide, it took all of the critical thinking out of their job and just let them create and do what they did best. All right. There's a whole bunch of questions in there for me. You know, I, I was thinking too, and I should have asked you this earlier before you started working with WP curve, did you have experience? Were you, a, you know, were you writing? Were you a columnist somewhere? Were you a journalism major? Like how, what brought you to doing this in terms of what made you want to even do it? So what happened, um, most of my writing experience, I, I had a master's degree. Um, I had recently graduated with a, a master's in international affairs, which meant I was writing a whole lot of papers on just kind of the, the machinations of different countries and economies and the laws and stuff in between them. Um, but what I was doing when I, when I actually got introduced and met Dan was I was a part of a, class called the foundry at the university of utah and this was basically a mastermind group for students who all wanted to start their own businesses and one of the things i actually did was start a little bit of a uh, a live hangout or a podcast where each week i would interview somebody um, that would be related to some of the questions that this group of students were having. And I also, um, this will touch on one of my favorite parts about content marketing, but I love content because it gives me a chance to meet really cool people and collaborate with them and build awesome relationships with them. And a lot of people were quite open to the idea. If I reached out to somebody and said, hey, I'm part of this university program. I've got 20 students who are all trying to figure out how to start businesses. And we'd just like to hear from you. So um, eventually I got in touch with Dan through this through this podcast and we talked about content marketing and setting up his startup and uh, we resonated with each other really well. And I just kept in touch with him until eventually I saw that that posting come through. Um, and so uh, that's that's how it happened was just kind of through collaborating, through creating content, we had built up a little bit of a relationship. And so by the time he uh, had need for it. He invited me to join the team. But all that being said, um, I, I, was, I had a lot of experience writing kind of papers, but writing a paper for a professor that will kind of maybe halfway read your, read your um, article once versus writing for um, thousands of different startup founders, entrepreneurs, and people who are going to um, you know, just try to get a lot of value out of your content is a totally different story. And so, um, again, the style guides and uh, the strategies and understanding the subtleties of all this was really important for me to bring my level of writing up as well. Holy moly. With, yeah, I would think definitely. I mean, you you had experience, obviously, with style guides in terms of papers, right, for, for college and your master's program. Um, but I, I've always felt that way, too, that writing on the web is very different. And there's a it, finding that voice and that connection with your audience. With the Now, with the guest writers for WP Curve, did you, were, were these paid people on the team? And I'm, you know, I, I talked to Dan a little bit about this, but, or were they people who wanted exposure in terms of, 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking from the perspective of somebody who's, who would maybe like to grow a content team. It was a mix of both. We had a couple of, we had a couple of paid contributors where usually I would go forward with them. I would create maybe an outline for an idea or just have a couple of ideas that, that I wanted to explore. But um, due to my own writing capacities or just uh, I was already writing an article and and I needed to get more published. So we would we would pay some contributors to work with us. And then we would also get lots of people reaching out who wanted the exposure. And uh, something that was really interesting was uh, I usually found that the people who were interested in writing um, just to get exposure would they would be willing to do it for free. But they would usually um, they would really appreciate the style guide and and uh, the content strategy documents that I'd send them. And they'd be able to create this incredible content really fast and really easily. So it helped leverage both the paid contributors and just kind of the the free collaboration and exposure. Yeah, I would think the style guide would be just, I don't know, I, I, I've, the more I write, the more I enjoy it. And now, it, but it's like all in my head, right? Like I've got basic formats for podcast posts. I've got basic formats for, you know, tutorial types and, and knowing what to pull in and when not, it's like having that guide, it's a lot easier to plug in and then tweak from there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the fact that it was content what was the strategy behind besides the writing it was i know the content piece right is really what drove that business can you talk a little bit about you know how that worked and where you guys started when you started seeing results cuz and let me preface this that i i think a lot of people think oh god content takes forever well a year and a half is going to pass and a year and a half regardless <laughs> so you know by building something solid that's sort of it's kind of like the engine right <laughs> not no pun intended with the book <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think content marketing really, if if you have a good strategy um, and you kind of you understand your audience and you really focus on problems that your ideal customer or your ideal reader has and you can consistently address those, then you'll start to create a snowball effect and it'll get bigger and bigger. But um, just just hoping that you you publish content and put it out there all by itself usually isn't quite enough. And so again, kind of what I was hinting at earlier, um, something that I think w- really drove the WP Curve blog and something that I, I really harp on and, and really love in, in my own work is uh, the collaborative effort. Dan was always reaching out to different people and he was always featuring a lot of people in his content and then mentioning them saying, hey, I featured you in the content. Hey, um, we grew this. And so not only are you building an audience with your content marketing, but Dan used this as a way to build relationships. He created strategic partnerships, people, affiliate marketing deals, people who are willing to just promote uh, the WP Curve brand over a long time. And they saw just through over time through this really consistent production of the content and pipeline that Dan knew what he was talking about. And so I think that was one of the main driving factors was the the carefully curated and developed relationships that came from uh, the process of building content and featuring people and making sure that uh, the people that you feature in your content you know, look like rock stars and you really, you really try to bring out the best of the pe- of your guests or the people you mention um, in whatever you're doing. <laughs> I, I swear, I, I feel like I'm going to answer every question or respond to everything you say, Kyle, with that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> 
because it's true that I, I've always said, you know, one of the easiest ways to to connect is I, I love sharing other people's stuff. And I think a lot of business owners or marketers fear there's this, I don't know, competition or, um, but you become a very trusted resource as well. And then as they get to know you, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, there's a ton of value here. Um, I, I do want to shift and, and dive into the book because there's so much in it. So let's talk about Story Engine. And um, I do want to uh, do the, the subtitle here. It's an entrepreneur's guide to content strategy and brand storytelling without spending all day writing, which I know that was like music to a lot of people's ears. Um, for people who don't like writing, I've kind of fallen in love with it with practice. But first, when did you know, when, when did you decide this book needs to be written? So this was something I, uh, I had decided on, actually early right in the beginning of this year. Um, I thought that I, I was building up um, just this really nice system uh, that originated from my work at WP Curve. And I took a lot of the the documents that that Dan and I developed together and just started working with other companies to help them implement the same systems that kind of saved my life while I was at WP Curve and helped me, you know, really reach the the quality and the volume of content that that we needed to reach with WP Curve and help other businesses start that up. And I had I had a bunch of these ideas scattered around the web. I write for a lot of different websites. I've got content on my own sites, but it wasn't all in one place. And it didn't um, I didn't have a singular place to that really captured my philosophy and my perspectives. So I decided that I had to do my own take on on what content marketing meant to me and really provide just kind of a complete system. I had seen a lot of people. One of the big problems that I had seen in the market that um, I didn't see many people addressing was I saw all kinds of here's how you write a great blog post. Here's how you write a great headline. Um, so and so but it was very it was very kind of this is how, you, you know, you create a nice blog post was kind of the conversation around content marketing. But what I thought was really important and what I do really well is kind of the background systems. How can we create systems in the background that we are consistently creating great content and our content is building on itself and focused in a way that, you know, once you do spend your year and a half making content, that you make sure every single post counts, that you can have that snowball effect and that big strategy. And so what was important to me and where I thought I could really add to the conversation was around those background systems, a whole bigger picture of content management rather than kind of the nitty gritty of this is how you do, you know, write a great headline that inspires social shares or something like that. So more of approaching it with a content strategy in general. And and because a lot of people, you know, I just came across this term yesterday. I've not heard it before. Bottom of funnel content. And I think I think that's it. The bottom of the funnel. I don't know if that's the right term now that it's not in front of me, but it, it because a lot of people start writing content or they just write a post. And mind you, I think some of those, I have an idea. I just feel like sharing it have their value too when it's in your own voice and you're just talking to people, right? But I, I think that tends to stay the process. It's like people, I know I did for a long time. <clears throat> I look back at some of the early posts I wrote and I just cringe. I'm like, was that a robot? Like there was like, what was that? But yeah. it, it's really until it, you got to get the practice, but having a guide, obviously like your book is key. And I think a lot of people do approach content creation as write and share, write and share, as opposed to 
you know, the more in-depth stuff that you talk about. So I'd love to talk about, first of all, I, I like how you, you divided the book into the four parts and you gave different approaches on using the book. So can you share what the different parts are and maybe who they're for? Yeah, yeah. And of course, and kind of building on your, your, your first idea, um, you know, I really see like there's the big problems I see with, with content marketers these days is, yeah, either they, a lot of people have this kind of artistic approach where it's almost like a diary, kind of like what you were saying, where, yeah, I'm going to write when I feel inspired and what I feel inspired about. And that's, you're, you're right. That's great. And those posts, um, clearly have a place. But if that's all you're doing, then that's gonna, you're gonna burn out really fast. And then, um, there's the other, other end of the spectrum where people, um, see it in the same vein as a lot of digital marketing and a lot more kind of mature and simple channels, such as, you know, Facebook ads or something. And they see like, they see a blog post in the same way that they think, you know, a good sales page or a landing page should work with a good call to action. And it should be converting at this much and, and have these things. And, and I, I wanted to give us something that was like a little bit of a, an artistic and the digital marketer, kind of the, the synthesis, where's the middle ground that is really great content marketing. And so, um, with the different steps and, and different parts of the book, um, I knew that people would be reading this at different places and I wanted it to be accessible for everybody. So I knew that I wanted this to be useful for a beginner who maybe is working on their first business or building out their first blog to somebody who, you know, is really experienced in content marketing and maybe knows some of the fundamentals, but just wants to improve in a couple of areas. And so, um, I really kind of recommended just kind of looking at the table of contents as, as a point of reference and, and diving into the sections that you thought would be most useful to whatever you were doing. And so put that together and, and I thought it made it really easy to navigate almost like it can be used as a playbook to say, okay, well, I've got a bunch of posts up, but I want to do a little bit of ads and I want to figure out how I can do some retargeting around my ads. And that person, you know, will be able to access the, the later parts of the book. And dig into that really nicely. Whereas somebody who is like, I don't even know what content marketing is. And I have no idea what my first blog post is. All right. Page one. Let's go. Well, it, I used it more the like, okay, picking out chapters and whatnot. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, though, it, the the invisible value of content. Because I, I've been creating content since I started, but I would, I, I can honestly say it was the podcast was a game changer for me because it was the most consistent that I had to do content. And then it was probably a year and a half ago when I started um, just really going back to fundamentals and basics. And gosh, it's been almost a year now. I started doing like, I called it my almost daily email, but it's more of a story type of the link. My point is that all of these sort of fundamentals and practices have just, you know, there, there's a lot of intangibles, but they built such a foundation that so many other things work much faster than had I not been doing this. What, you know, it's a live stream or um, I've talked about, I doubled my podcast downloads in a month by adding live streaming, but I've been doing consistent content for, for a while now. And so I, I think there's a lot of these intangibles that people can't see. So can you talk sort of about the invisible value of content? 
Absolutely. And this is definitely that that philosophy and that idea was geared more towards the people who come from a very heavy digital marketer perspective and are used to seeing like, what's my conversion rates and and what are the click throughs on this or that and expecting kind of this very hard data approach to content. And again, um, I'm, a, I'm a total data nerd and I will I will make sure everything's tracked and going properly. But if you're so honed in on that and you're so honed in on I want higher conversion rates on my blog posts, I want more click throughs um, on my social media and I need more sales from these ads I'm running on the on the content you're creating, then it really it really kind of narrows your vision on what kind of content you can create and how you write and how you reach to your audience. And it turns it turns every blog post into more like landing pages and sales pages rather than an honest, um, helpful uh, account of what you're doing and sharing your thoughts with uh, somebody who could really use them. And so uh, by thinking about some of the invisible value of content marketing, something like um, by just considering things like you may there, you could have a lot of readers or a lot of listeners or a lot of viewers, whatever medium you choose to do your content in that are never going to be your ideal customer. But um, even though you're not there, they're not your ideal customer. They love what you're doing and they're sharing it with their friends. And you're on the top of their mind when somebody with exactly the problem that your business solves um, this, or is having a conversation with one of these people that just is a big fan of yours. They start referring you. Um, so even though they never become a direct customer, they may be coming an advocate and sharing your content and helping you promote your and grow your brand for free. Um, another thing that I really think is incredibly valuable that almost nobody notices with content marketing is you're not just attracting customers, but this can attract team members or even, um, things like co-founders or investors to your, to your business by sharing your thoughts, by being honest, by being transparent, by sharing your processes, um, you know, telling your story on your content, people are not only going to fall in love with your product, but they're going to love your business. They're going to love your brand. They're going to love what you're doing. And if you have a lot of people that are following your, your work all of the time, um, when it comes time to hire a new person, uh, you're going to have all these people that are excited about your brand and, in, and enlisted in the vision that you're creating through your content, that you're going to recruit a much higher level um, of quality in, in, in your team members. And you're going to get people who are already enlisted in your vision. They're going to be much better cultural fits and, um, they're going to work harder for, to, to do what you're doing. Cause they know they've already bought in they have already sold it. Um, this will happen even with, uh, with co-founders. Uh, one of the, one of the coolest stories ever going back to WP curve is Dan Norris found his, uh, co-founder in the comments section of one of his blog posts where what he was saying really resonated with him. And they started, you know, just working together for free and then found a way that they would both become co-founders, which fast forward three, three plus years later, Alex was essential in cre in developing the relationship and making the ultimate sale and big success of the exit of WP curve all happen. And so 
through these through this partnership and through this relationship and this kind of invisible value you're never going to see any of these things in your click through rates or your conversion rates you can't see this in Google Analytics but it's out there and you can build content that uh, anticipates this or invites this just by being more transparent by by really trying to think about how can I create really good quality that helps my readers instead of thinking, how can I boost my conversion rates? <laughs> That's such an awesome story. And for the listeners, um, just so people understand, Kyle was referring to the acquisition of WP Curve by GoDaddy um, earlier this year. Was it early just this year or late last year? But yeah, phenomenal story. And um, you know, with all of that, these intangibles, I I really didn't start seeing them in my business or, or or kind of connecting the dots with it until I was I was consistent with it also. Um and that transparency piece, it, it becomes it's also to me the easiest way to create content because you're you're essentially sharing. And while there's a bigger strategy to it, you know, simply being able to share the journey with people is is a great starting point, you know. Um so, so let me ask you this, like, I know you also talk in the book about, you know, content ideas. And I think a lot of people think, you know, I don't know what to write about, or, and if you could tie this in, I know you address this too, is, is the SEO piece of it, Um, you know, coming up with the ideas, and then, you know, is this, you know, is the SEO value here? Like, how would you approach those? Yeah, so how I how I would just say um, again, most people try to come up with ideas one at a time, one at a time, um, and uh, you know they research their search engine optimize or they search keywords for one blog post at a time, and this takes a lot of t- this is a huge time suck if you're trying to figure out a fresh idea uh, for content every single time, um, and so what I like to do is start with a few core problems and. What I mean by a core problem is it's something that it's a problem that your ideal audience has. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that the business or the product you sell directly solves, but it's somebody that would be that a, it's a problem that somebody would have that would, you know, tangentially be interested in your pro, in your product. So, uh, for example, with again, with WP Curve, since we were talking about them, um, we did WordPress fixes. But we talked about product launches. We talked about content marketing. We talked about managing remote teams. We understood our audience at a level that um, even though we didn't talk directly about the problem that our business was solving, we knew that they had these problems. And if somebody came to our site to learn more about how to handle a remote team, they were probably interested in having a good bootstrapped uh, bootstrappers tool for helping them maintain their WordPress site. So with these core problems, um, they're, they're usually broad enough that you can write um, almost endlessly about, but at the same time, they're focused enough that if you talk about them with, uh, with a friend or, or um, a, a colleague, they instantly know, yes, I have that problem or no, I don't have that problem. And so when you start here and you have this foundation, then this frees up a lot of, this frees up a lot of creativity for you. So you can um, do keyword research on content marketing and come up with a list of hundreds of keywords that would be applicable to that. And then you can just um, have this list available so that when you decide to write something within that within that category or within that core problem, 
then you can say, okay, now I've got a list of keywords ready and you can consistently um, target the same keywords over a long time. Because most of the time these days, though, eventually one blog post is going to rank for a certain keyword. You really need to be targeting a lot of keywords consistently to rank for those really specific, um, really competitive keywords. And so, well, I was just going to say to just make sure I'm interpreting correctly. So essentially, when you're doing your keyword research, it's like basically a brain dump of multiple ideas for that category, say content marketing. Exactly. And so it gives you um, you can batch your keyword research. And and if you if you identify these core problems and I usually use them as categories, um, it, it gives you a little bit of a framework to work with. So, you know, okay, I want to write about something in this core problem, this category, instead of starting with a blank page and saying, what do I write about today? (laughs) You can say, I need to do something on product launches. And that just gives you a little bit, having, having a a little bit of parameters, a little bit of boundaries on, on, um, your thoughts actually stimulates more creativity because, uh, it gives you something to work with, to work around. And so um, boundaries as far as, okay, we write in these couple of veins really helps a lot. And then it keeps you consistent. So, you know, you're always addressing the same core problems and, and slowly but surely you're building on the same SEO keywords. You're building um, your expertise on a certain area. And so, again, it's creating this snowball effect that we want to have that's really valuable in content marketing. Plus, um, another good good uh, part of this is you can develop a lead magnet. Um, a lot of people like to develop lead magnets or downloadables in their posts, but most of the time they will say, okay, I've got this one post that's doing really well. How can I create a checklist for this certain post? And you do all this work and it only applies to one blog post. But if you have your your core problems ironed out and you're, I'm gonna, uh, you know what you're going to address in the long run, you can create one lead magnet that's relevant for a whole category of content that you create. And you can have that. There's very easy ways to display since uh, this is we can talk about. I feel like we can talk about specific plugins, but like widget context uh, with WordPress. And uh, um, I really like the uh, I really like widget context because you can create um, ads that only appear on certain categories on your blog post. And it doesn't have to be one of those distracting pop-up ads. You can, I like to put them in the little sidebar, but you can have for, you can have your content marketing lead magnet, um, appear on all of the content marketing blog posts you discuss, where if you're discussing a product launch post, you can have the most relevant lead magnet there. And that's going to boost your conversion rates anyway. So uh, like a content upgrade, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, there's lots of different words for it. Yeah, I just uh, want to make sure we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So in terms of the core problem, I mean, obviously, you know, I want to talk about content and and we could go 12 ways sideways with identifying, you know, some of this stuff um, and, you know, your audience and whatnot. But with with creating content, you know, where is it? Where's a good place to start? I see so many people just struggle with creating content and, you know, coming up with ideas or, or what should I write about? And so, you know, without, <laughs> obviously you can't give away everything, you know, but where, where's a good place to start? Well, if you, if you already have a business and you're, you're lucky enough to have some good customers too, um, I'd get on the phone and call up your best customers and just start talking to them, ask them, ask them about like, 
kind of what's their day to day like? What are they what are they struggling with? Not necessarily um, related to your product, but you know what's really what's stressing them out right now, or where did they make? Um, also, like think ask them where did they make big leaps in, in their business or what what was a big lesson they learned it can be you can look through their past and even though they have some problems solved they can look back and see like yeah well once i really figured this out then things started happening and if it if if they made a big leap in that then it's probably it's probably the case that there's some other people around right now that are reading your blog that could also make that big leap and so just by interviewing your your current customers and and really finding out either what they're currently struggling with or things they've overcome in their past, that's a great spot to start looking for patterns and trends and what's going on. Um, there's other places you can if you if you've got um, at least a, a loose idea of what you're looking for with with the with your business or your blog. Um, a really good spot right now is Quora.com which is a place where people can ask questions and then uh, people will provide answers and the best answers get upvoted. So um, when it comes to coming up with good ideas for content, again, once you have your, your kind of your core problems defined, which is something that you should be doing before you start creating a lot of content, um, which just gives you that nice strategic foundation, then it gives you a little bit of context to search around and see what people are asking. Um, one of the best ways is to just if you're fortunate enough to have a business and have good customers already, start calling up your best customers, the customers that you want more of and asking them what's important in their lives right now or what they're struggling with currently in their business or what problems that they could have solved. And better yet, um, get the get a little retrospective with them and ask them, you know, where did you make the big leaps in your business? Um, in this past year? What are the lessons that you learned that are really important to you? Um, they're going to have a lot clearer picture of kind of what was happening retrospectively and where they made a lot of advancements. And you can bet that if they got a big benefit from learning a certain lesson or or making a certain improvement, that there's other people who would potentially be great readers for you that have that same problem, that same issue. So with the content piece and and you know, in terms of having a strategy and whatnot, you know, the term I've also heard a lot of is cornerstone content. And, you know, what are your thoughts on that? So I think I think cornerstone content is really good. Um, the problem that most people have, and, and I've faced this too, is, you know, when usually the cornerstone content is something, it's going to be a very big, very obvious topic. Again, it could be like, for me, it would be like the ultimate guide to content marketing and creating something, a really big definitive post like that. Um, most people shy away from it because they're like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I'm just me. I'm never going to rank for the keyword content marketing um, because there's all these amazing businesses out there that are already doing that. But having a cornerstone pillar piece of content is really is an excellent foundation. Um, you can make a really long form blog post and, you know, sooner or later, maybe it will rank for for uh, good keywords. But what that's really useful for is just something fundamental that all of your other blog posts can point back to. And it just shows it gives people a clear perspective on, uh, you know, your own process, your own philosophies, your own systems. Um, and even if even if there are, you know, dozens of other ultimate guides to content marketing, 
Um, maybe, maybe your ideal readers haven't seen those yet. Maybe they haven't heard of person X or person Y. And so you might be the first contact that they have for that. So it's absolutely worth getting these foundational pieces that you can always link back to. It's always nice when you have the, again, the ultimate guide to content marketing and the dozens of posts you'll create in the future. It'll be nice to say every time you say the word content marketing in your post, just link back to that one and continue building on it. The <laughs> it you, that totally triggered a thought I had. I had a conversation recently with Troy Dean of WP Elevation, and he was reminding me, you know, like take WordPress. There are hundreds of thousands of people who are just discovering WordPress for the very first time today. And so the same thing, if you're the first point of contact, right, for that keyword or that cornerstone piece of content, um, like run with it. Doesn't mean not to have it. I can't begin to tell you how many how many topics, like the WordPress check I am working on. I've never done a how to set up and install a WordPress blog because I was like, oh, so many people have done that already, whatever. But at the same time, there are enough people that are finding me through other channels. And if I had that, mind you, I'd have to keep updating that. But um, it, it's one of those things that can link back to so many other foundational pieces of what I do. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. Um, can we talk a little bit about content mediums? And, you know, because like with the tagline that you put, you know, in terms of without spending all day writing, there are a lot of people out there that don't enjoy writing, or they feel like they can't write. Um, you know, so what are your thoughts on different content mediums? Yeah, so that that's a great point, and uh, I get that a lot. Um, I'm I'm definitely a writer by trade, and so it's the lens I view a lot of content marketing through. But um, yeah, there's there's tons of different mediums. There's podcasting, um, there's videos, there's infographics, and you should absolutely gravitate to whatever your uh, internal skill sets are what you're interested in. So if you're into video, you should make your videos. If you're into podcasting, you should make podcasts. But the great thing about writing is you can there's you can always build writing into whatever you're doing, whatever it is. If it's a podcast or a video or whatever, um, you can make a great video and then write a good blog post that expands and reinforces and adds more context to that video. Plus, you can add the extra links in. If you have a really good podcast episode or really good interview, instead of just writing a transcript, which is still a great thing, but write a good blog post that, you know, adds your kind of behind the scenes take on what's going on or, you know, references different other uh, similar viewpoints and ideas that you discuss in the interview. Um, and what that what that does is it just adds extra, you know, SEO keyword juice in and it adds extra value for people to consume. Maybe not everybody will consume it. But then at the same time, you get this nice network effect where you have a good video on YouTube that's drawing people to your uh, blog post and you have a good blog post that's getting people to subscribe to your YouTube channel. And so they create these nice synergies. And yeah, even if you're not great at writing, um, you can use these same systems that I've been describing. You can use a great style guide um, and maybe maybe have a writer help you put it together if you're not certain about all these terms. Or you can create a great content strategy document. And those are going to be just as relevant to helping you decide whoever you interview next on your podcast, whatever video you produce next. And you can create and you can bring in a writer to maybe um, create those those blog posts or that extra um, content and that extra context that, um, yeah, if you're not a natural writer, you don't necessarily want to create. 
But, you know, thank you for that. And, but even with, you know, with, I, I never thought I, I was fine writing papers in school and stuff, but it was, it, <laughs> I attribute a lot to having done this podcast, whether it's relationships or consistency or getting better, because I, as the more I showed up, I, I can't do the podcast like in a different voice or not just myself. And so I started pulling that into my writing more and it just took practice really. And I, I would be surprised to say that a lot of people um, are surprised to see that people disagree with the more you do it, the more fun it can become. And, and are there people that are just never going to enjoy writing? Absolutely. But um, I, I think when you let go and find your voice and style, any tips on that for finding your voice in your, in, in your writing and your content? Yeah, I think, again, by by just starting with the foundation, starting with a strategy and understanding, okay, well, I'm writing a blog. What is the mission I'm going to be doing? What do what unique thing can I bring to the market? You know, what are the core problems that I'm going to target? Um, and, and having just this little bit of extra context actually does make this you you feel connected to something bigger than yourself. Um, just through the strategy you create, you create this blog. That's, that's not, it is your voice, but it, it's also its own thing now. And by having that little bit of extra context, um, it goes from just again, like starting with a blank page and then just kind of, uh, just grinding through it, um, to having like, okay, I, I get it now. There's meaning for this. And I think having that little bit of extra meaning, um, really does help a lot. And again, uh, find ways that you can kind of uh, find ways that takes critical thinking out of the writing process for you. For example, um, instead of instead of just writing out a blog post um, just from scratch, maybe calling somebody up that's really smart and interviewing them and then taking that audio file and turning it into a really nice, well-written blog post um, and just using the audio file for reference. So that way you don't have to figure out all of this stuff about what am I all going to put together in this post to um, how can I tell this, you know, how can I tell this story and put all of this great information into writing and finding your own voice. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of self-reflection and it takes a lot of progress or uh, just just process. Um but again, with your with the strategy and the style guide in place um, and just, you know, maybe they don't they're not perfect at first, but you can refine them over time. Again, it gives you those boundaries that kind of act like guardrails on a highway and kind of keep you going in a certain direction. And that gives you these nice boundaries to help you find your voice and find yourself within it um, instead of just, you know, being able to go in any direction, you know, just like being kind of a ship in the middle of an ocean. And just like, which way do we go from here? You have some context, you have some direction. And I think that that um, just by writing that down and going through the process of thinking about who you are and what's important and, and then translating that into content will bring out that voice much faster and should bring a lot more um, pleasantness into the writing process, even though it may not always be pleasant. But even still, it should give you enough meaning and enough purpose that even on the days where you're like, oh, writing, <laughs> you can fight through it. Yeah. And don't you, do you ever find, too, that sometimes it's kind of, I don't know, exercising. Sometimes you're not in the mood, but once you get into it, you get into it, right? Like, it's just the getting started or the getting going. Once you're going, it, it flows. And, you know, I'm kind of on this mission with this digital marketing space that, you know, I think if people would start looking at things as it's, it's, there are processes involved. And if you start enjoying the process, it, it, it just 
it takes a lot of that overwhelm away from, oh, I've got to write, or I've got to create, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that. And it's, you know, it's, it's not to get esoteric, but who you become in the process of mastery is kind of awesome. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And that kind of reminds me, I, I attribute a lot of what I, a lot of my writing, a lot of what I do today, actually to being a songwriter when I was younger. Um, I played guitar and I sang and I wrote a bunch of different music. Um, but it got to the point where I was, um, I would pick up my guitar and I'd be like, we're going to write a hit song today or I'll be damned. And, uh, <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> and it, it like, it ruined guitar for me because I put all this pressure on myself. And so um, it's actually been something I've been rediscovering again, where um, just kind of getting lost in and enjoying a few notes and, and just feeling like what you were saying, enjoying the process um, of it and not taking every single blog post so seriously, but, but knowing that you're going in a certain direction. Because yeah, if you, if you're just creating content and again, you have kind of like that, that philosophy that I had where I'm going to create this hit blog post and it's going to, you know, bring in 10,000 views a month to my website. And, uh, yeah, then, yeah, you're going to burn out fast and it's gonna, it's, it's going to, uh, not work out, but yeah, by finding some enjoyment in the process and in the journey and improving yourself. And I'm definitely, again, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out with, with podcasting myself. One of the things I'm working on right now is I'm developing, um, I'm practicing, I want to create audiobooks for, um, the story engine and my other book, the college. I, I was looking for that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was like, I think I want this on audible. So I'm glad to hear you're looking at doing that. Yeah. But I didn't want to just dive into a full-on audiobook without without a lot of experience recording. So I decided that um, a good way to get some practice would be creating a small uh, companion series podcast for the book where I kind of go into some of the main topics and explore them again, but add a little bit of extra value, add a little bit of uh, extra thoughts in there so that somebody who um, has read the book can get some extra extra content in a different medium there and it will turn iTunes and kind of the the podcast listening world into a stream of traffic that's that's currently not being served um, and it would give me some some practice so that when I'm ready to uh, crack out these audiobooks I can do it myself and feel great about it I just have to I, I love that and I wanted to point out to the listeners that, I think oftentimes, and I, obviously, please jump in with your experience, is that when it comes to content, people look at, well, like, if I want to do audio content, I have to do a podcast. You don't. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an ongoing forever, whatever. You can do, you know, a, a series of 10 episodes to, like you're saying, to support a book or or something to support a launch or a product or a trip or something that so you can pretty much take any that's what I love about this space is you can take any type of content medium and do it in a way that'll serve your audience and support what you're doing in a way that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do the same thing with video, just figuring out how I can, because I think all of these, all of these content mediums are, you know, they, they reach people in different places and, and it gives people, it gives your audience the options to consume things in different ways. Um, and yeah, it's fun to practice and I'll learn, I'll learn different and better skills. You know, I'll become better at what I do by just understanding the podcasting process, which is, yeah, it's something I want to learn. It's something I want to improve at. So it's, it's where I'm, I'm going to.
going to be working now. Um, and because of that, yeah, the, the quality of what I'm doing eventually will improve. And so just by, just by kind of challenging yourself with new mediums and yeah, maybe not, not coming up with, uh, or not trying to have the, uh, another kind of interview style podcast. But yeah, just just adding something that has a nice time limit, because, yeah, still to me, like maybe maybe someday, but it does seem like a terrifying prospect right now to just say, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to interview somebody every week, you know, from here on. But but having this little bite size project feels a lot, a lot more uh, workable. And maybe once I get that done, then we can move on to something bigger. I'm, I'm doing the same thing, actually, with live streaming. And I was like, I kind of kept hesitating to jump into it because I wanted there to be a strategy because I don't have time to just try this this week and this next week. And I wanted there to be some value there. And so I, I've, I've done a few now and then I probably take four to five hours with each live stream in terms of actually showing up and doing it, repurposing it, writing about it, sharing it, doing a social camp, all the different pieces that go into it. And then it's like, how did that feel? It's, it's super fun. I love podcasting. It's not a surprise. I like that, but the point is, it's like, I'm not committing to a weekly show yet. I can't commit to doing XYZ. I'm like, I'm just going to do this when it feels right. And I can really contribute. Exactly. Um. And so it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you you got it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was going to oh, last question. I was going to say, I was going to say it should be like, do do what's go. Uh, this is kind of an, an Elizabeth Gilbert big magic, but Go where you're curious, go where it's fun, especially when you're exploring these new mediums and trying out new things that are hard and difficult. Go somewhere where you're curious and you can be lighthearted and experimental about it at first. Um, don't always gravitate towards the, um, you know, there's, there always should be a, a balance of kind of like move, uh, move the needle, you know, conversion rate marketing, but also, uh, yeah, let, let yourself be a little bit artistic, let yourself be a little bit experimental. And, and by, by letting your curiosity lead you, um, it'll, it'll help you kind of take on the, the new, uh, the new challenges. You know what? That was why I started my podcast. I'm like, I need to have more fun. That was it. I had zero attachment to it. I was like, I got to bring more of me into this. I, I had no, nothing connected to what it was going to do for business. I'm like, I loved audio content and I wanted to try it. So there we go. Four years later, here we are. Um, I, so I'd love to wrap up with uh, a question. And obviously you don't have a crystal ball, but so where do you see things heading in terms of content? Maybe, I don't know if you want to address different channels or mediums or, you know, where do you think people should maybe kind of be looking towards assuming that they've got some fundamentals and good things in place? Yeah. Um, so where I see content heading right now, again, I really like, um, mixed mediums. Uh, and, and again, this is, this is kind of how, why I'm, I'm doing this, this kind of audio companion series and maybe thinking about how I can make some videos is by, by combining all of these different mediums into one, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that specialize in videos. There's a lot of people that specialize in podcasts. Um, but it's, there's really just kind of a couple of narrow veins that you can to approach your audience. But if you can find ways to make a cool short video that's just perfect, you know, um, material, a little bite sized piece that you can put into the blog post 
Um, but people are going to see the video and then want to read the rest of the blog post and people are going to read the blog post and then watch the video in the blog post and get that extra, get that extra, um, value out of it. Having these different mixed mediums is going to make sure that, um, you serve everybody in, in the way that they want to be served. And I think that that's going to be really good. And I also, um, I would say, you know, I really, I'm a big fan of very long form content. Um, so bigger, bigger, longer blog posts. And that's, that's kind of been the trend for a while. Um, but again, mixing in different content and giving, giving people a lot of different ways to consume things, um, all in one place. Uh, think of a blog post, not as just writing, but as kind of a, a canvas where you can place a lot of different mediums on. Um, I think that's the future and internet speeds are only getting better. So, um, you know, you don't have to worry about load time with, having kind of heavier videos or really nice looking big, you know, high quality graphics and images on your, on your page, which maybe, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, that might've been a really big concern and a really big limitation for, uh, what you're doing. And also, um, just, just with all of that, you may be thinking like, how can I make all of these things? But, uh, um, again, the world's totally open with with so many different freelancers and so many different talented people um, that are just you know, really a couple of quick clicks away that if you don't have that area of expertise, you can find somebody that can channel that into your voice and what you're doing very easily, especially if you have your strategy and your style guide and you have it in a form that's written that you can share with anybody you work with. I love that. I was, as you're saying, I'm like, I bet my daughter's in college and she does a lot of stuff with me in my business because she wants the opportunity. She sees a benefit. There are plenty of places to find talented people who want to help you grow your thing or are, are definitely better um, at something or another. Kyle, thank you so much. I, I, I love the book and I'm super excited to share this with everybody. Where is the best place to connect with you? So if you're interested in, in doing some work with me or kind of hearing what I'm all about, you can go to conversioncake.com. Um, hit me up at Twitter at, at Kyle the Gray, and that's spelled G-R-A-Y. So again, um, the main site where I do my work, where I interact with people, um, is conversioncake.com. And you can go on there and kind of see what I'm up to right now and, uh, and chat with me about how I can help you with your content strategy. Of course, I recommend checking out the story engine on Amazon right now where you can really get a full picture of my philosophy and my approach to content marketing. Or you can hit me up and send me a message on Twitter at Kyle the Gray. I don't post a lot on Twitter, but anytime somebody messages me, I see it and I respond really fast. Awesome. And for everybody listening, just hang on. I will have links to everything in the show notes and a couple more links at the end. Kyle, thanks so much. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Kim. All right, guys. As always, thanks so much for listening. I think the easiest thing to do, because Kyle mentioned so much, is simply to go to the wpchick.com forward slash 166. That is the show notes with all the links for you. Uh, be sure to check out Story Engine in Amazon. And if you haven't left a review of the podcast, I would love it, love it, love it. Uh, head over to iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher and leave me a review. It would mean the world to me. Have a fantastic day and we will catch you next week.